Hello again, and welcome to On the Road with the VIAAA, a podcast put on by the Virginia Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association's Public Relations Committee for athletic administrators both in Virginia and across the country. I'm your host, Jim Harris, co-chair of the VIAAA's Public Relations Committee and coordinator of athletics and student activities at Alexandria City High School. We have a special episode of On the Road with the VIAAA today. We interviewed Jeff Dietze, past president of the VIAAA and current co-chair of the Professional Development Committee. He shares with us some history of the VIAAA and some insight on the creation of the certification process, along with some tips from his athletic administration career. Welcome back on to the road, on the road with the VIAAA. Today's guest is a special guest. It's uh, one of our past presidents of the VIAAA, Mr. Jeff Dietze. He was president from 2002 to 2003. He's the current co-chair of the Professional Development Committee. Welcome aboard, Mr. Dietze. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. All right. Now, tell us the road you took to become an athletic administrator here in Virginia. You know, where did you grow up, your schooling, your coaching and career track that led you to be an athletic administrator? And give us a little bit about your career as an athletic administrator. Well, I grew up in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and a big railroad town at the time. And I played uh, basketball and baseball. Some of the things that happened to me as a player uh, led to some things that I did that I think was very productive as a director. Um, Turns out that as a JV basketball player, I was a second string center and forward. Uh, I, I was basically a baseball player that played basketball. And um, we didn't have enough big uniforms. Uh, Our colors were maroon, black, and white. And uh, our away uniforms were black with maroon lettering. And the home uniforms were white. But some of us had to wear away pants uh, because there wasn't enough uniforms. And uh, I didn't have a shirt. When the guy that, that, that I took his place in the starting center came in, he had to take his shirt off and give it to me. I'd put it on back in the day when you could have two people with the same number. <clears throat> and um, then when I got on varsity as a junior, the, the first five or six people got free shoes from a distributor downtown and uh, the rest of us had to go buy our shoes. And... Uh, then I played at Indiana State College baseball, which is now in the University of Pennsylvania. And I was turning in my uniform at the end of my sophomore year. We had to clean them and turn them in. And I had my hat on and the equipment manager said, uh, you're an underclassman, you're coming back. I said, yeah. He says, well, he said, I'll take your hat and you can use it again next year. So I didn't even get to keep my hat. And that, that, that caused me to think a little bit about um, uniforms and things of this type. <clears throat> but um, I spent six and a half years as an army officer. And after I, uh, I during that time, I spent a tour in Korea and a tour in Vietnam. And um, when I came back, I started teaching chemistry at Groveton High School. Uh, 
Groveton merged with Fort Hunt High School to form West Potomac uh, back in 1985. And I was uh, two or three years as a JV baseball coach, and then I was a varsity baseball coach uh, at Groveton. <clears throat> and so I had some leadership skills from the Army, and uh, I got a master's degree in, in secondary administration from George Mason in 1974. Actually, George Mason at the time had three buildings in it. Now, one of them was a student union. So it was pretty, it was just now then uh, separating from UVA. But uh, I got an opportunity uh, to apply for the director of student activities job at Fort Hunt High School. Uh, the principal at, at Fort Hunt had been the principal at Groveton who hired me when I got out of the army. And so I knew him and, and uh, <clears throat> I was appointed student activities director there and stayed there for 10 years until Groveton and Fort Hunt merged into West Potomac. And then I stayed there from 1985 to when I retired in 2008. Outstanding. Uh, I grew up right across the street from West Potomac on the other side of Route 1. So I, I know West Potomac really well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good place. Now, how did you get your start with the VIAAA? You know, take us through your journey with the association. Well, the first time I went to a meeting as a director, it was a region meeting. Uh, it was the summer of 1975. And uh, uh, some people told me after that they thought I was a vendor. They didn't know and then I was introduced, and after the meeting, John Youngblood came up to me. Now, a lot of people who are listening to this don't know John Youngblood. Uh, he passed away, I think, in 1988. But he said to me, I'm going to be your mentor. He says, I'm involved with the State uh, Athletic Association and the National Association. And I want you to listen to what I tell you, and I want you to do what I tell you, and you'll do fine. So I joined immediately the uh, VIAAA, which at the time was uh, Vachada, Virginia State High School Athletic Association. And um, I, I think it was somewhere around 1990, I uh, took the place of, of a, the Northern Region rep who had been, um, he got another job in the association and I finished that term. And then the next term, um, I, I didn't win the vote to, to retain as a, as a region rep, but the president uh, wanted a luncheon for leadership established and asked me to organize that. <clears throat> At the same time, well, maybe a little after that, Dave Morgan was the president of the VIAAA, and we were good friends, and he was... Uh, uh, he, he was the NIAAA liaison, and he said, we need a separate liaison. So he pointed me as a liaison. So I did that. Uh, the Professional Development Committee uh, was established, and I did that until uh, uh, I was selected as a president-elect. So uh, I actually have been involved in, in, on the board of directors since about 1990 with the VIAAA and uh, found out 
And when I went to my first conference, John Youngblood said, you will go to these conferences. And anybody who knows John Youngblood knows when he tells you something, you do it. You don't ask questions. So I went to the first one and I was really impressed with the uh, leadership stuff that went on there and uh, got involved with, uh, uh, with that. And, and I happened to be in a meeting at the National Conference in, in Omaha in 1970, I believe it was 77, when the NIAAA was established. So uh, John introduced me to all these people that were uh, important in the NIAAA and uh, he got me involved with the certification committee. And uh, I, I spent uh, six, seven years with that. And um, let's see, I think for the last four or five years, I was the, the vice chair of the certification committee. So I got involved at, right at the beginning of that. So <laughs> the uh, VIAAA um, was, was a big part of what I was doing. And so was the NIAAA. Uh, you were instrumental in helping me receive my certified master athletic administrator uh, uh, certi certification. You were able. You were a great resource to help me point me in the right directions and get me in contact with uh, uh, with uh, Sherry Stice, I think. In uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah, I helped you, but you're the one that did it. <laughs> That's true. It, it's true, but it uh, now. We'll we'll talk about certification in a minute, especially the, the certified master athletic administration uh, award. Uh, any highlights from your time as president of the association? And uh, you know, can you tell us how the association has changed from the time you were the president until now? Well, when I became the president, I was pretty much uh, respectful of of those people that had been in the past, and I just wanted to make sure that. I kept the VIAAA uh, moving in the same directions, um, but we were working on uh, on some coaching education things with the Virginia High School League. We started, a couple of us started that. And uh, uh, while the VIAAA was not uh, a part of the coaching ed program, uh, I had the region representatives all make sure that, uh, that the Virginia High School Coaching Association or Coaches Education Program um, was available and 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 tried to publicize, particularly the board members, to take uh, the the coaching edit was not not mandatory at that time, and so we evolved into uh, a professional, more of a professional organization, and and we we tried to incorporate some of those aspects into the state conference while I was uh, uh, the president. Outstanding. And uh, how do you think the association is today? I was talking with uh, current NIAAA president, Mike McGurk, about the association. He was a, a former member and I, would, I was telling him how it's a, we're almost in a new renaissance for the VIAAA. Uh, every committee is filled and all the region reps, all these spots are filled and they're, and there's no overlap. People aren't doing wearing multiple hats. So it's almost, I, we feel it's almost a new renaissance for the VIAAA. It is. And there's a lot of new people. Uh, back when I was the president and several years after that, there were key people that were involved and, and uh, then they retired. And, and these new people come in are very energetic. 
and uh, very into uh, all of the aspects of professional development, which is basically what the mission of the VIAAA is. So when I go to these meetings, I'm, I'm really impressed with how uh, professional and how much enthusiasm that they have. And you're right. <clears throat> uh, I remember having trouble getting uh, all the region reps in various parts of the state. And now uh, uh, we have several people that apply for president-elect. We have a lot of professional energy. Um, it, it's, it's, going, it's going well with the VIAAA. And uh, after they started uh, getting uh, sponsors from vendors, uh, the finances certainly improved to let us uh, do even more things. So uh, the, the, uh, and Bruce Bowen was, uh, was the executive director and he was really instrumental in, in getting those vendors. And uh, there's, there's a lot of good things going on because of the enthusiasm of the, of the VIAAA members and uh, the amount of uh, money that's available to do things, particularly at the conferences. Uh, that, that, that bodes well for the, for the organization. Outstanding. Now, certification is a big push for the VIAAA now. You were talking about our professional development. You're, you are a certified master athletic administrator. You know, tell us your process to certification, you know, what it means to you personally, and uh, some tips to help people achieve these certifications. Well, certification, as I, met, I mentioned earlier, John Youngblood got me on the certification committee and they had just, they had just started the CAA program in 1988. And I, I, I took the exam in 1989 and uh, it became one of the focuses of the NIAAA. Back then, it's interesting, there was a secretary at the NIAAA who kept the names of the people who were CAA certified in a little notebook in her drawer. And that was even before databases. And there was a, uh, a thought that after four or five years, you had to recertify as a CAA. But there were some problems with that in terms of finding people that moved and some people didn't want to take another exam. And it's just, you know, it was back and forth. Anyway, back in 1995, uh, Tim Flannery, who was a good friend of mine, and Frank Kovaleski, everybody would know his name. Um, he's the executive director. They said to me one day, there's this national certification co uh, corporation meeting in Silver Spring, Maryland, and uh, we're going to go. And you're going because you're on the certification committee. And also it's just a drive around the beltway, depending on what time of the day you go around the beltway, it could be a half an hour, or it could be two hours. Mm -hmm. But uh, we went and we were sitting in this, this, this certification corporation mission was to address and, and certify a lot of different groups. We had just started several years before in the NIAAA uh, leadership training classes. I think we had four or five of them. And matter of fact, Tim and I wrote the first 505, which was mentoring, because we were at a, 
uh, at a workshop with the mentoring and, and they learned that. But I was sitting there listening to the, the talk and I remember they were, there was a person there from uh, vehicle uh, um, wrecker association. And they were talking about different levels of certification. And I thought, why can't we do that? Um, you take the CAA exam, which had nothing to do really with leadership training. Um, we, when we wrote those test questions, we had very little, very few questions uh, from the uh, uh, leadership training classes because there wasn't many leadership training classes. But we wound up uh, incorporating more of those questions. But I thought, why can't we, people take these leadership classes and then they go back to their school and do they do anything with them? Or they just take the courses and then put them aside? I thought instead of having CAA recertified, why don't we, why can't we have a second level of certification and include leadership training classes and more things that you're doing in your school, like tournaments and, and writing articles uh, for the state association and the national newspaper uh, or uh, magazine. And why can't we incorporate some of those things and use have people use what they've learned in the classes and apply them in the schools. So I talked that night in the hotel with Tim and Frank, and they said, why don't you take that to uh, the next certification committee meeting? So I did, and they weren't very happy with it because they said, we're just starting leadership training and we really don't wanna take the focus off that. So I had to wait a year or so, and we were in Kansas City one summer working a subcommittee and the board was there. Back then we met in Kansas City because the NCAA was there. And uh, somebody on the board came down to the room where we were working and said, you still have that proposal you had for two, two levels of certification? I said, yeah. I said, well, come up and brief us. So I did. And uh, we tweaked a few things and uh, uh, publicized it. And, Sooner or later, we had trouble deciding what the, what the title was going to be, but we settled on Certified Master, and uh, we started that uh, uh, about uh, 1999-2000, and the National Certification Corporation certified the NIAAA uh, as uh, quality uh, certification program. So. Uh, we went on from there and, and then people said at the certification committee said, well, we need to be able to start people and you have to wait two years to get to CAA. Well, let's, let's do a, a preliminary a certification level. As long as we have two, let's have three. And so the registered athletic administrator became uh, a focus. And uh, now of course we've, we've included Inter, uh, international and uh, middle schools certifications. And the thing has expanded quite a bit from back in uh, 1990 when, uh, when we started that. Uh, any tips for, to help people when they're trying to get the, the CAA? Yeah, um, first of all, as I said, when we first started, 
we wrote questions that are just based on leadership in schools, but now it's almost all, if not all, a leadership training. And so I would su suggest that, that people that have to take those required courses really keep notes on them, particularly the sports law uh, courses. There's a lot of sports law because you can get yourself in some pretty deep trouble real quickly if you uh, you don't know some of the sports law things. So I would suggest that, that people really pay attention to uh, those courses and also some uh, uh, the basic courses on the history of the NIAAA and uh, leadership. There's, there's a lot of those courses. <clears throat> now, I think the key to those people is as soon after you take those required courses, you sit for the exam before you forget things. Mm -hmm. uh, I had some friends and colleagues uh, that I was trying to push for CAA, and turns out a couple of them, had, it's been four or five years since they took the sports law courses and some of the basic courses, and they forgot all that information. So uh, my tip would be, uh, you know, if you want to be a professional and certification really gets you there because of what you have to learn in order to uh, pass it. And, and almost everybody passes the CAA exam if they prepare. I've only, and all the exams I've given been involved, I think there's only just so very few people who are, are not successful. So I would say two things. First of all, take these courses, take notes, and sit for the exam as soon as you can after you're qualified. Outstanding. Now, let's turn back to your time as an athletic administrator. Yeah, you've mentioned some great names, but uh, can you go back and tell us who were some of your influences, you know, while you were an athletic administrator? Who were some of the, so your colleagues that, uh, you know, the shoulder to cry on during your time? Oh, yeah. Well, John, of course, John Youngblood, um, uh, Bob Carson, who was the, the, the athletic director, director of student activities at Edison. And then when Lake Braddock opened, he went there. Uh, we roomed together in some of the early conferences, and we'd have discussions at night. Of course, he was experienced, and uh, I'd run past some things that, that I was experiencing at Fort Hunt, and he, uh, he was giving me a lot of advice with that. Uh, Dave Morgan, uh, who's still active, uh, was a big help. He, uh, he became one of the presidents of the NIAAA, and uh, we talked a lot about that. He gave me a lot of advice about that. Uh, back when we started uh, involving the coaching ed, and I need to, I need to go aside a minute here. Um, in 33 years as a director of student activities, I only ever hired seven or eight coaches who had been a head coach at a different school. Most of the people I was hiring that applied were assistant coaches um, or had not coached before. And I know when I started as a JV baseball coach, I played a lot of baseball. But my first year as a coach, I, I'd give myself maybe a D plus or a C. I, I didn't know how to organize a, a practice. I'd have two or three people doing something and the rest of them standing around. <clears throat> and not having experience, these people that were applying for jobs uh, at my school, 
they needed some coaching education. And another one that was a really instrumental in that was Bruce Patrick. <clears throat> now, I knew Bruce when he was a, a football coach at Mount Vernon, who was our big rival, and as the uh, student activities director there. And then he became a, a coordinator of Fairfax County. And he had about, he, I think it was five of us that he found out that the National Federation was uh, looking to get into coaching ed and they had a conference in Colorado Springs at the U.S. Olympic Center. And five of us went out there to see who was going to get involved with coaching ed because we knew that we didn't have the expertise <coughs> or the time to organize all these, what coaches needed. And so uh, at that conference, the National Federation selected uh, Human Kinetics, who at the time was American Sport Education Program, ASAP. And Bruce was very instrumental in that. And he said, uh, you need a colleague to, uh, to, to start this coaching ed program in, in Fairfax County. And Donna King was, was interested in, in coaching ed. So she and I uh, got together and, and worked through a lot of uh, the basic things. And we developed uh, through Larry Johnson, and Claudia Dodson at the high school league. Ken Telly was in one of his first years, and he uh, was very enthusiastic about that. Larry Johnson pushed it, and we started the, the coaching ed program uh, with, with, a, with a, the high school league. It was not mandatory at the time, but it evolved into what it is now. And so Donna was a big a big help with that. Uh, another one that was that was really instrumental. So a lot of those people who had been as directors for a long time were, were very helpful. Pat Cunningham, who the stadium's named for him at Woodson. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he was a good friend and he really helped me uh, <clears throat> start, you know, get organized as, as not only a young athletic director, but uh, with professional development. So uh, I'd say John and Bob Carson and Dave Morgan and Donna and Pat Cunningham and Bruce, Patrick and Larry Johnson were really, were really, really uh, instrumental in, in how we moved on. Right. Now, now here's your time to get on the soapbox. Here's, uh, you know, what are some things that you did, you think you did as an athletic administrator that you were really good at? Well, having had some commands in the Army, and been involved, I was involved with a Nike Hercules program, which was nuclear weapons. And so you had to be pretty sharp and you had to know what you were doing. So I developed leadership style there. I studied, I had in, in 38 years in Fairfax County, I had 17 principals. And I, I studied their leadership styles. Some of them I really liked and, and kept evolving a leadership style. And some of them, I, they did things that I really didn't like. And so I made sure I didn't do that. But uh, so leadership was one of the things um, organizing the boosters club. When I went to Fort Hunt, we didn't have a boosters club. So we organized the boosters club. And then when we merged, um, that was an interesting experience, merging two rivals, Groveton and Fort Hunt. Uh, the, uh, the, the two communities weren't really thrilled with that. And so we wound up uh, getting that together and doing a budget 
is one of the things that from my military days uh, was really important. And so what I, I wound up doing was using, having the coaches do their postseason inventories and things that they needed. And they would submit to me their requirements and prioritize them. And I asked the boosters club each year at the end of the year, how much they were going to give me the next year. And we've settled on normally around $50,000. Now that's a lot for some schools and it's not very much for other schools, mm -hmm. but it's what we had. And so one of the things that I required was that the coaches not ask the boosters club for anything. They budgeted to me. I approved it. And then I selected items that the boosters club would pay for. And I published that with, with the boosters club president and their finance people. And it totaled up to 50,000. And I made sure where you had uh, teams that were the same for boys and girls, like basketball, and lacrosse and soccer, uh, softball, baseball, that there were similar dollar values uh, that we, we put into the booster budget. So the booster, all the parents knew exactly what they were buying and that the coaches had asked for them. But because I was the director, I was responsible for all that equipment. And so I couldn't have coaches going out asking boosters club for extra money. Uh, they had to do it through the budget. So budget was <clears throat> one of my really um, things that I was really pretty good at. And it, it, it evolved pretty well, and uh, we really never had any problems with it. Awesome. Now, in thinking of your whole career, what, what did you enjoy most about being an athletic administrator? I liked the games. I liked to go and watch the kids compete. I wasn't overly excited when we lose, but, uh, you know, those things happen. Um, so watching the kids progress and get better and their enthusiasm and <clears throat> I'd go to practices and, and watch how they perform in practices versus games. Um, those are the things. And then kids would come into the office just to talk. And I enjoyed that. You know, it was helpful for a lot of kids. Some of them kids, they, they, they'd want to discuss things that they really I said, you need to talk to mom and dad about this. And they said, no, I can't talk to mom and dad. I want to talk to you. And so that, that was a, the games and being around the kids. Is, and I still miss being around the kids. I've been retired for a long time. But one of the things that did not bother me was parent complaints, <laughs> particularly about game uh, playing time. Coaches didn't really like to talk to parents about game practice game time, but I told them, you know, you don't have to argue with them. Just tell them what their son or daughter needs to do to get better. And uh, I only had one, a uh, couple of parents that were really a problem, particularly one mother who I suspended their son because he vandalized another school. And um, after I told them not to do that, <laughs> and, and she spit on me. That didn't go over well, but um, most of the time with the parents' uh, playing time, that, that really never bothered me. I, 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 when my kids played, 
in high school, I became a better director because I could see things from the parents' side. Um, when they had good coaches and when they had coaches that weren't so good, uh, in my opinion. Um, but I learned to, how to deal with that from both sides. And that, that was a big help to me. All right. So thinking back uh, with parent complaints and all of this, you know, what did you absolutely hate about the job? You know, I, I use it, use it now. My, my thing is uh, rosters. If rosters could go away and not be a thing, life would be great. Numbers one, two, three, four, five, up to 20 is paperwork. <laughs> we started when I started as a student activities director, of course, there was no computers. Mm -hmm. And then emails took over. And I was getting 100, 150 emails a day. And to, to find time to do the paperwork that you had to do and answer all the emails, uh, I never really did figure out how to manage that time. Well, it just paperwork was, 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 was big. And I, honestly, and this is kind of a shame to say this, but I wasn't really big on running tournaments. Mm -hmm. For, I, I can't tell you why, but um, tournaments, of course, I ran a lot of them, but it was not at the top of my I really like to do list. Mm -hmm. I, I would say um, paperwork and the, and the tournaments um, are uh, <laughs> the two things that, because it took time mm -hmm. and I, I trying to manage time. I took one of the leadership courses, training courses on, on time management. And, and that was a help, but they would tell you, take a, take an hour a day and only, you know, read professional journals or something like that. So I tried to close the door and that went over for about three days. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you'd be sitting in your office in your quiet time and somebody would say, just the person I want to see. Well, they say, are you busy? You know, and, and so doing all the paperwork and the emails just was very, very hard for me to manage the time. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, a new or looking at a new or current athletic administrator, what are some, uh, so what are some things that they have to do to be successful? Well, first of all, I think is to do a self-assessment. What am I strong at? What do I need help with? Organization is important. I used to have a list of things that I needed to do and I numbered them and had high priority, medium priority, low priority. I check them off each day. Um, and so using the leadership training courses, a new director can, can look at the all, I think we teach somewhere around 40, 45 leadership training classes now. Look at the list on NIAAA.org and see what you'd like to take in addition to the required courses that you need for your certification. Because as I've told people many times, there's nobody in any school district, in the school district office, that can educate a director of athletics. They don't have that expertise, nor should they have that expertise. The way to, for them, for a director to get better is to go, first of all, to the new AD's workshop, which incidentally, Claudia Dodson started uh, with four or five of us. And she said, I want you guys to organize something 
And it was very simple. And we did that and look how it's developed into it now. But go to the new ADs workshop if you can. Look at the leadership training courses and evaluate that, what you can do that you just like to do to, to take a course or ones where you feel that you need help. And that's where I think is important. The other thing that is really important, of course, all of us do. I averaged about 70 hours a week, and I'm sure everybody else did too. You miss your family. I missed a lot of my boys playing in high school. Uh, take time for your family, because if you're just doing the schoolwork, you can go nuts real quick. And, and those are the people that can't do that are the people that only spend a year or two as a director and then move on to something else. So look at the certification, do your certification, organize, use leadership training, go to the state conference and the workshops. If you can get to the national conference, there's tremendous workshops. People at the national conference are really, really good at and so are the people in the state conferences uh, and experience. And don't just sit in your school uh, with bullets flying all around you and not get out and do something for yourself. I, I always said, if, if I lift up my shirt, you'd see a lot of bullet holes, but you'd never see two bullets from the same gun. <laughs> you know, when you, when you make a mistake, you, you correct it. And how are you going to correct it? Colleagues, workshops, conferences, leadership training. I think those are the important things. Outstanding. Well, you made it. Last question. You know, a lot of people uh, you know are going to be listening to this, and a lot of people that you don't know are going to be listening to this. Uh, can you tell the listeners something that they might not know about Jeff Dietze? I mean, we've, had, we've heard a lot. We've heard you in the Army. Uh, all, you know, all sorts of good stuff. What's something that we might not know about Jeff Dietze? Well, I have a couple of hobbies. As I said, I grew up in, in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and before World War II and right after World War II, it was the largest railroad repair shop in the world, Pennsylvania Railroad. And I got into that. And like most kids around Christmas, I had my train set. But... I developed into a hobby where I have a really big model railroad in my basement. I have a big model railroad. I also like photography. Um, I have a lot of pictures that I've taken in my basement that are enlarged, over a hundred of them, to be honest with you, but only two of them have people in them. And those two are mistakes. Um, somebody just showed up as I snapped a picture but I like pictures of scenes and places that I've been. So photography and model railroading are, are my, my hobbies. Um, I also uh, like music. I, when I was, I was a musician, started in fifth grade and actually uh, played in band in junior high, high school in two years in Indiana. Uh, there was only five or six of us in the college band that weren't music majors and it got too much. I was involved with too many things, but, I played in a dance band in high school. We used to get $5 a piece for our gigs, but I had a lot of good experiences uh, with big band music. And 
I really enjoyed that. So, uh, model what, railroading. What instrument? Music. What instrument did you play? Well, I started with the clarinet, went to the alto sax, and uh, then um, I guess a sophomore year, baritone sax, and that's what I played in college and, and in the big bands of baritone saxophone. Outstanding. Well, thank you for going on the road on the for the with the VI AAA, Mr. Dietze. I mean, this is our our 50th. We're celebrating the 50th year of the VI AAA, and you know, I, I'm glad that everybody's going to get a chance to listen to this and hear a little history about where where we've been and where we're going. I appreciate your time. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, uh, I, I do remember back when uh, you you talked about your CMAA and. And how, how, look where you've come from that because of that. So um, it's, it's good to be able to talk to you and see you again. Thank you very much, Mr. DT. That's all the time we have for this edition of On the Road with the VI AAA. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VI AAA95, on Instagram at VI AAA1995. The video edition of this podcast can be found on YouTube. Just search VIAAA. Our website is VIAAA.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.